Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. We have a special guest, Bishop Athanasius Snyder. And believe it or not, my brother Jesse's not with us on today's show. He's not out preaching at a parish. Jess, thanks for making the time early in this morning. Bishop Snyder, um, I want to wish you and your whole diocese a very happy uh, Easter week that we're having right now. So I, I want to wish you that. And I know you said earlier before the show that we are resurrected with Jesus. So thank you so much. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. And I also wish to you and all to the listeners a uh, blessed, grace-filled Easter week Thank and Easter time in our risen Lord to Amen. live in Him. Amen. Amen. Bishop Schneider, this is the third hour. I've never done this with any book, but I am so on fire for your book called The Catholic Mass because I really think it's the key to restoring the Catholic Church. When we have a proper worship, we will have Everything else falls in place when you worship God properly. And uh, on the back of your book, it's called The Catholic Mass from Sophia Press. Uh, you said, we are living through a period of unprecedented liturgical exile, explains Bishop Snyder in this pivotal book. The vast proliferation of modern abuses is crying out for urgent liturgical reform. Amen. The primary source of modern abuses, he declares, is man's, here it comes, narcissistic tendency to place himself rather than God at the center of the Mass. Now, Bishop Schneider, Jesse and I have always talked about the Mass having a vertical, a vertical aspect to it, so towards God rather than the horizontal, which seems for the last 60 years has been that we're worshiping each other. The priest is standing in the middle of the altar, and you know we're, uh, he's, not, he's facing the people rather than the altar. And it just seems that we've had that for 60 years, so uh, is, is that a fair statement that you're trying to restore the Mass so that it becomes that centrality of God in the liturgy? We have to uh, name the things as they are. <laughs> and, uh, and we cannot deny reality. That's right. And so the reality is we are the liturgy in the Roman Rite since almost 50, 60 years, yeah. is very sick. Sick. Yep. It's ill. We are very wounded. This liturgy, the manner of worshiping the Lord, is deeply a wounded, defective way. And this is, I call this an liturgical exile in the sense of that uh, who is the most important in liturgy? Our Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. the Eucharistic Jesus, concrete, incarnated, Eucharistic. He is in a, a kind of, he was expelled from our liturgical assemblies in the corner, you know, at the margin. He was marginalized from our liturgical worship that he is not more in the center, even visibly the tabernacle yes. was put on the corner because for this new clergy, they are so uh, self, selfish loving themselves that the Lord in the center, the tabernacle, uh, was is uncomfortable for them. They feel themselves un uncomfortable 
um, when the Lord is in the center, so they said to the Lord, you can go there in the mountain, in the, in the periphery, and we will be in the center now. And this I call the exile. Our Lord, the Eucharistic Lord, with the glory of the worship, the visible reverent worship was exiled from our churches in so many places, not all of course, but in, in a vast majority. And the Lord is in a kind of exile. But we know from history, yes. uh, the, the exile in Babylon, and then the exile in Avignon, uh, there is, this was a temporal exile, more or less 70 years exile. And then the exile finished. And so this liturgical exile will finish, of course, because the, uh, the Lord is the, uh, the Lord of the church, even during the exile. And the, the Lord is preparing during the exile, again, his return in a, in a glorious uh, worship of the church. Glorious for the Lord. All glory is to him, not to us. Bishop Schneider, I just have to say, Bishop Fulton Sheen said that very same thing at the Eucharistic Congress in August of 1976. He said that we're worshiping a tin god the priest, get him off the center of the altar. And so he said many things that you just said. So it's just an interesting thing. Jess, let's get you, your comments and your questions for the bid bishop. Yeah, well, uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder just compared what happened after Vatican II to the present moment yes. with what happened in the Old Testament, right. the 70-year uh, the Babylonian exile with, with the people of Israel. Of course. The good news is, is, uh, is that we're close to the end of the exile here after Vatican II. So that warms my heart. I mean, uh, what's the bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been. I think the council finished what fifty-four years ago. So yeah, we still have a little ways to go. Yeah. Uh, Bishop Sh uh, uh, Schneider, the question of mine is: it's uh, it's been pretty well established by many authors that uh, there was there was many Masons at the council. Some Masons were actually probably uh, at the at the. Uh, <coughs> at the commission of the Sacrosanctum Concilium, do you believe that some of the horizontal, uh, the horizontalizing of the Holy Mass was done by some Masons and dissenters at Vatican II? Well, first, we cannot uh, know concretely who was a concrete Mason during the Council. We, it is difficult to concretize okay a person with name and surname. You know that this is the, uh, the cunning, even I say in some way, demonic uh, cunning of the Freemasonry that they have this trick, this trickery, uh, that they say uh, there is no documentation that someone is Freemason, you cannot documentate this. Mm -hmm. And so they, uh, because they are, uh, per definitionem, uh, a secret and a confidential group. 
For some reasons, they can reveal the names of some of them. But usually you have no access to the archives of a, of a lodge. Or if they will allow you to have an access, then they will purify before you come enter, purify the, the archives so that you will not find what you are seeking. Yeah. So this is therefore it is it is how do you say um, difficult to to simply say there were Freemasons mm. or in the committee or of the reform of the Holy Mass after the Council. But what we can state it is the smell of them. Yeah. So <laughs> the smell they left a typical horizontal anthropocentric. Um, naturalistic smell, and this is typical of Freemasonry because they are uh, they are proud of them. They they say yes, this is our aim, this is our nature, this is our essence. The nat naturalism, the anthropocentrism, the horizontal horizontal view, and so on. This the Freemason state publicly with, with pride. And so when we are hearing from bishops or cardinals the same or similar statements hmm. or implemented in some concrete liturgical reforms, the naturalistic tendency, the anthropocentric, uh, the horizontal. So it is evident that this is very close to the mentality and ideology of Freemasonry. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we can, we can have a conclusion that those who elaborated these texts or who speak in such a way, this cardinal or this bishop, at least when he is not a formal member of the Freemasonry, but he speaks like Freemasons. He has, not, he has not to be, uh, I mean, necessarily uh, a member, a formal member of them, but he speaks, he behaves himself as if he would be a Freemason. Got it. Mm. Well said. Yeah. Bishop Snyder, one of the questions I have, is this is the last third of your book, too, uh, and I actually think that your th the, last the last hundred pages of your book are one of the best part of the book because you cover worship in a way that's just magnificent and it really helps an individual understand that when they're at mass they're at calvary and that um it's uh it's the greatest thing we can do one of the questions on page 214 you you state this real clearly the holy mass is the greatest spiritual treasure here on earth when we come back from the break you got to explain that because i think some people think it's a birthday party sometimes going to a mass i'm sorry to have to say that how can we get that back that Mass is the greatest spiritual treasure on earth. And we're going to talk to Bishop Athanasius Snyder about his new book called The Catholic Mass and ask him to explain the beauty of the Mass. Stay with us, family. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. We're back with uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder. We're talking about the uh, the information found in his book, The Catholic Mass. You can get it from Sophia Press. Uh, 
Uh, it's called the Catholic Mass Steps to Restore the Centrality of God in the Liturgy. It is uh, any serious Catholic that loves the Catholic that loves her faith. This is a book that you should be reading this year, especially during Holy Week. Uh, Bishop Schneider, one of the things that warms my heart is I'm seeing many of the younger priests that are coming out of seminary in the last, I'd say the last 20 years, 25 years, they seem to be liturgically more conservative. They seem to gravitate more towards uh, ad orientum, even in, even in the Vatican II Mass. Uh, they seem to have a love for the, the, the traditional Latin Mass. Do you see that? Uh, as a bishop yourself, has that been your experience that many of the younger clergy coming out of seminary, I would say in the last 25 years, seem to be more liturgically conservative? Yes, this is undeniable. Uh, we can state this. Uh, I myself and others, this is a demonstration, a proof for me uh, that the Holy Spirit is guiding his church, even in midst of the darkness of the liturgical exile, and that the Holy Spirit is preparing the end of the exile with this new generation of uh, new seminarians, new priests, and of course families. And this, uh, and this is for me a work of the Holy Spirit. And then also, a demonstration that the truth and the true beauty is attracting. So, is attracting those who have uh, a still uh, a, a sincere desire uh, for truth, uh, a sincere desire to be completely dedicated to the Lord as a priest and to love Him above all even in the liturgy. And these young people, they have the desire for uh, a, a kind of heroism because young people, young priests, they don't want to be content with something which is only uh, mediocre, mediocrity and cheap. Uh, we do not give, I do not give my life for Christ and, uh, and do the sacrifice of uh, marriage, of family, and so on, only for something cheap. No, I want to give totally Christ all what I can. And of course, in the liturgy, as the, the entire tradition from the Old Testament, through the saints, always had this motto as St. Thomas Aquinas, expressed it uh, in Latin, quantum potes tantum aude. It means, tr translated in English, uh, you, sh you should dare to give to the Lord as much as you can. Give to him honor, respect, during the liturgy, also interior purity, interior attention, it's all connected. As much as you can dare to give this to the Lord. And so I think this is a sign of hope and uh, maybe a sign that the exile is approaching slowly to its end. <laughs> hmm. Terry. 
this can, yeah, I can hear you. Mr. Engineer put my speaker back on. The um the question that a lot of people don't have a clue about the mass, and you stated on page two twenty two that the sacrifice of the mass has infinite value because it's identical in substance to the sacrifice of the cross, having the same priest and victim who is Christ. Now, I knew that from reading my Baltimore Catechism, but there's been generations that don't understand that. Can you share? Because when you understand that, when we're at Mass, that we're at Calvary, it can't be boring, and so many people have no clue of this. Can you kind of uh, you know explain that a little bit to us, please? Yes. I remember the, the words of the Lord in the Gospel of John mm -hmm. uh, when our Lord spoke with the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman. And there, uh, our Lord said this word, if you knew the gift of God, mm. if you knew the gift of God. And so this applies also in first place to the Holy Mass. If someone knows what is the Holy Mass, then uh, he, he is uh, deeply moved. Amen. All his his heart, his mind, his life, and he will uh, understand that this is the greatest treasure which God could give His creatures. This is the fountain of graces and the greatest expression of divine love for us sinners. Amen. Love and uh, the fountain of continuous graces. It's the holy sacrifice of the cross, which continues to, to spread these graces from and the open heart of Christ uh, on the cross, which was pierced uh, by the soldier. And this open heart from which flew out uh, blood and water, mm -hmm. It's continuously flowing. It's not stopping. It's not finishing. It is flowing every moment. Yes. We can unite yourself, even spiritually, with our Holy Mass, which is now celebrated concretely in a, in a place here on earth. And thanks be to God, there is probably every moment here on this, our globus, on the world, that there is uh, happening a consecration. So the realization, sacramental realization of the Golgotha sacrifice. And so we can also spiritually unite ourselves and ask the Lord that he may grant us, uh, pour out uh, these graces for ourselves, for others, for so many intentions which we have. And these uh, streams of graces, they, they will continuously uh, flow until the, all eternity, it will not, it wow. will not stop, and this will be our eternal uh, happiness yes. and beatitude in heaven that we will see with our purified eyes the greatness of the these graces of our redemption <laughs> of the Lamb of God who is uh, in the midst will be of the heavenly Jerusalem, all eternity. We will deeper even understand his unspeakable sacrifice of love on the cross. 
And so we have to prepare and this in this time through a good uh, participation in Holy Mass. So we have to go to every Holy Mass, my dear brothers and sisters. Please go when you enter the church and before the Mass starts, say, I am maybe for the first time participating in this sacrifice. I would like to participate with such a faith and attention and love as if I would for the first time be present on Golgotha. Wow. And also, and also as if maybe I, maybe this is the last mass which I can participate here on earth, I don't know. So I would like to participate with so much love. And therefore, my dear brothers, ask your guardian angel to accompany you to the Holy Mass, to be on, he is on your side on the Holy Mass. Invoke him that you may be concentrated, you may be recollected, and you can uh, use this precious time of Holy Mass in uh, the best way possible. Bishop, Amen. Yeah, Bishop Snyder, can if somebody is homebound, is working, going to school, they can't get to Holy Mass. Is there a can can somebody send their guardian angel to go to Mass and and receive the graces, some type of grace to bring them back? Is there is there is that possible? Of course, so many saints did this. <laughs> they sent. Uh, there are saints who were lying in bed because they were sick and they could not walk or they were in prison, for example. They were, they were sending their guardian angel to greet the Lord in the tabernacle or to assist in his name at the sacrifice of the Mass and to bring these um, graces because the holy angels, as the Holy Scripture says, they transmit our prayers uh, to heaven as the, the, the ladder of Jacob in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So that they were climbing up and, and climbing down uh, these from heaven to earth. These, these are doing the angels and they are bringing our prayers to the Lord, even to when they cannot go. And then they bring back to us the graces which our Lord gives us specifically uh, for this, our gesture of love and faith towards him. So please do this and um, send your garden angels and they will be so happy, the garden angels, to do this. B Bishop Schneider, um, I'm jumping around because I this is a huge topic. In my opinion, two things. One, Holy Communion on the tongue rather than in the hand. You wrote a little booklet I read years ago on it, but um, on page 264 of your book, you talk about the outward form of receiving Holy Communion is necessarily following from the truths concerning the supreme sacred gift of the body and blood. Tell us, and I mean, whatever time you need, I want to know why we need to go back to only receiving on the tongue. I've, I, I, I've, I've given a whole talk on this. I believe that this is essential for the restoration of the Mass. Your, what's your take on that? Well, uh, when we treat the Lord, yes. and He is in the Holy Little Host, yes. truly, substantially present, yes. real, and it is present 
he is present also with his immense divinity also. Not only humanity of Christ, the divinity of Christ. And uh, when we are believing in this deeply, uh, and so since he is the greatest gift for us, he makes himself the greatest gift for us in the Holy Communion to nourish us as food. Mm -hmm. So the, the most apt attitude to receive this gift, this immense divine gift, is the attitude of a child because our Lord said in the gospel, if you will not become like children and receive the kingdom of God like children, you Bishop, cannot enter the kingdom amen. of God. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. We're back again with Bishop Athanasius Schneider, the third hour of these interviews about his book, The Catholic Mass. And I said to Bishop Schneider before the show, I said, Bishop, I'm going to promote this book for the rest of my life because I think it's key to the restoration of the church in the sense the way you worship is the way you believe. And so I'm excited about that. You were sharing before the break had interrupted us that we should be receiving Holy Communion like a child. Can you please explain? We're talking about communion on the tongue. Yes. As we said, our Lord said in the gospel, uh, if, you, if, you're not, if you will not receive mm -hmm. the kingdom of God like a child, mm. you will not enter the kingdom of God. Amen. And so, and uh, in Holy Communion, there is not only the kingdom of God, there is the Lord itself of the kingdom of God. So it's in some way more than the kingdom of God. It is the Lord itself, which contains in, in himself the entire kingdom of God, Jesus Christ. And so, and therefore to, uh, to receive him as a child in the form of food, of nourishment, so the most proper attitude or gesture visible is, of course, for a child, childlike, to receive the nourishment from uh, the child's mother or father directly in the mouth. Sure. And not in the hand. So a little child, let us say a baby, is not able to take the, the nourishment, the food, and put the food with his fingers in his mouth, usually not. Uh, a young-born child only can open the mouth and take the milk of the mother. Right. Or take a spoon, uh, it is more sure. And so we have, and St. Peter uh, writes in his letter, uh, be like newborn babies mm -hmm. who are desiring the milk. Wow. Uh, this is Christ himself, who is our nourishment for our little, we are the little babies, uh, like newborn babies. 
and so even smaller than babies. And therefore, it is so convenient and apt uh, the gesture to open the mouth and receive the greatest gift, the holiest food in the mouth directly and not to take with your fingers and put them yourself in your mouth. Of course, some people say, oh, we, we receive in the hand like beggars receive. But this is the attitude of adult persons. Mm -hmm. Children cannot do, newborn children cannot do this. So if we compare both attitudes, we have to, uh, to accept the attitude of a newborn child. It's more convenient uh, towards the Lord. And, and it, then it is more sure that no, nothing will fall down or, or sure. uh, be lost because the other form, even you can explain this form of hand like beggars, like poor people and so on. It is beautiful, but it's not convincing. Why? Because in this form of the hand, you expose our Lord to the loss of little fragments mm -hmm. and no one can deny this. You're exposing the Lord. Why do you expose the Lord to such a danger? And it's proven that through the communion in hand, even when people do reverently, there are fragments, little pieces who are sticking all on the both fingers yes. or on the palm of the hand or falling down and so on. Therefore, we have to stop with this communion in hand immediately. We cannot continue. Uh, we cannot continue and then kneel down like the angels, like the sinners, like the, uh, we are all sinners and poor and kneeling down, open your mouth as a child and the Lord will fill your mouth with his love and his gift. As the Psalm says, Psalm, and one of Psalm says, open your mouth and I will fill it. Well said. Just to follow up just before, mm. on page 220, you make a very clear statement, I happen to agree with it, that we've had a loss of faith in the real presence since we've been giving communion in the hand. And uh, would you agree that, that that's pretty much a, one of the fruits of uh, bad fruits of communion in the hand, that people don't believe it's anything extraordinary other than a piece of bread? They don't believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Did that lead to a decrease in the real presence, the uh, belief for the church? So it's not a question of agreeing. It's a question of reality. Yes, of amen. Reality. It's not a question of agreeing. No. It's undeniable true. Yep. Simply go to the, to the parishes. They, they was made a survey of the attitudes and the believing of the majority of Catholic parishes in the Western world where already since two generations yep. is coming in hand the vast majority of the people are telling sincerely they believe that the, the, the Lord is only symbolically mm. symbol. Terrible. And this is a consequence. Yeah. Of course. <clears throat> yes. Bishop Schneider, there's uh, 
a lot of people seem to misunderstand or they give it different definitions when they hear the word lay people are supposed to actively participate, active participation in the liturgy. A lot of lay people think, oh, that means I can bring my guitar to Mass. I can bring my drums. I can I can help out the priest distribute Holy Communion. Uh, we, I can hold hands uh, like a human chain. What does active participation mean according to the intention of, of uh, Sacrosanctum Concilium in Vatican II for the laity? There is a clear statement of the text of the council document in number 30, where it is written <clears throat> that in Latin it's not written activa participatio, but in Latin it's written it's written actuosa participatio. It's a difference. So it means um, not an exterior activism, but a conscious, to be conscious, consciously. Mm -hmm. So with, uh, with your spirit, with attention, so with attention first, this is active, with your spirit, and then with attention of your heart to be recollected. There cannot be active participation when you are not recollected interiorly. And then when it's, it's, there will no true participation in the mess when you are not a heart, um, uh, how do you say, um, repented heart or not purified heart in going to mass. And then um, this is the basic requirement of any participation in, the, in, in divine worship. And the exterior forms the council uh, expressed concretely. Let us say, the council said that the faithful participate actively or actuosa when they are standing, kneeling. So the gestures of the body is already an active participation. And then the council continues saying, when you are giving the answers to the priest, the lay people, or singing during the liturgy. This is also active participation. The entire community can sing, for example. This is mentioning the council. There is nothing. And then the council states, make a statement very deep that active participation is also silence. Amen. When we are silencing, it's also a deep, a deeper still participation because it, because it is it is easier to take a guitar and to go to the stage and to take microphone and to make self presentation. It is easier. This is the tendency of our sinful human nature to present yourself mm. and to be uh, how do you say? dedicated to the exterior forms only. And, and this is a deception, really. And so, I repeat, the council, there is no word in the council text that for the sake of the active participation of lay people, lay people must be given uh, liturgical roles in the sanctuary like 
reading the reading the epistle or reading the uh, the intentions of the prayer of the faithful or uh, and so no nothing there it's not not mentioned in the council that for the sake of active participation you have to engage people from the pews to go during the mass to the sanctuary and reading no this is a worldly uh, meaning it is like in a worldly meeting like in a performance events it is not divine worship thank you according to the perennial constant <laughs> sense of the church talking about the perennial teachings of the church on page 247 you state that pope benedict the 16th reiterated the following principle which has been valid in the church since the apostolic times in the history of the liturgy there is growth and progress but no rapture rupture the theory expressed by pope paul the 6th in 1972 and legally established by pope francis in january 10th of 2021 namely that minor liturgical services which do not require sacramental ordination are particular to the exercise of the common priests of the baptized i want you to explain how that's not consistent we'll come right back with you stay with us Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Absolutely. We're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be uh, disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. We're a resurrected church right now. Amen. Uh, if people want to get a copy of the book, they can go to Sophia Press. It's called The Catholic Mass. But I bought another case of books yeah, here at the uh, Virgin Most Powerful. So people want to get them, they can call us at 877-526-2151, and uh, you won't regret it. This is a book that every Catholic needs to read so that they better appreciate Holy Mass. Bishop Snyder, this question I asked at the end of the break, it's a huge question because it really is really at some of the challenges we are faced in liturgy. And I'll just summarize it on page 247. Pope Benedict reiterated the following principles that uh, from the apostolic times that the history of liturgy, there's there's growth and progress, but no rupture. Can you kind of share his comments and show us that it see it appears to me that there is a rupture going on right now? Your thoughts? Of course, there is a rupture. Yeah, the Novus Ordo is a rupture with the traditional form. Uh, no one can deny this, and. And so uh, the, even the method of our Lord in the history of salvation was always without ruptures. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And who will abolish even this, the smallest prescription of the law? Mm -hmm. He will be called the smallest in the kingdom of God. Wow. <clears throat> and then, even during the Last Supper, it is stated our Lord observed carefully yes. all the prescriptions of the law. <clears throat> even in his, when he was presented to the temple as a little child, 
uh, Our Lady in St. Joseph, mm -hmm. they observe the prescriptions of the law. Yes. Even they, they were not uh, required. Our Lady was immaculate. No, she was not required to, to bring an, a sacrifice as all the women after giving birth. And then our Lord observed all the laws and even uh, uh, and so the church kept these and during the 2000 years in East and West never were moments of a kind of revolutionary reforms of the liturgy. If there were changes, they were very slowly made during decades, maybe, very slow, and very, and very uh, few, not many. Maybe in, in 50, 100 years, there was added a beautiful prayer or a gesture of reverence. And so, and when there were made uh, improvements or changes only for the sake of clarity, to express more clearly the doctrine, this because the Holy Spirit is guiding the church slowly in the fullness of truth, not in the sense that uh, something new, but to understand it's fuller, to love it fuller. So our Lord said, you can, the Holy Spirit will guide you in the fullness of truth, in the understanding, I mean, and, and in loving and in venerating. So, and there, this is the, the, these were the reasons why the church did in the, in the history, some, um, you know, some reforms, small, few, I repeat, to, re, to express more clearly the truth, and then also for the sake of express more reverence and adoration for God, to express the mystery that God is an ineffable mystery. Yeah. And therefore, if uh, and these were always the motives of some um, uh, reforms in the history of the church, but never the contrary, if they're to, to be ambiguous, as today the Novus Order, their ambiguity in some places of the Novus Order, ambiguity regarding the, the sacrificial character, for example. And then uh, the, the style of uh, human, uh, human uh, anthropocentric style of the celebration and even of the order of the mass is also a little bit human-centered, too much and lesser, uh, expressing the adoration and the, and the awe and reverence in the new. Therefore, these reform in he, its main parts of the Novus Ordo were contrary to what the church always did during 2000 years. And additionally, this reform of the Novus Ordo was a clear rupture yeah. and a revolution in the text and in the shape, in the, in the exterior shape. Got it. Yes. Bishop Schneider, would, would you say that... Uh, Obviously, when we go to Holy Mass, those are the infinite merits of Calvary that 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 are present to us. However, isn't it true if one goes to a Mass where there's more reverence, 
versus somebody going to a mass that has less reverence, much less reverence, does the Catholic receive the saint amount of graces or are the graces stronger in a reverent mass uh, compared to a, an irreverent mass? Are the graces weaker there? My question. Well, first, it depends, of course, ultimately, on uh, the person who receives the graces. Even in a most beautiful liturgy, let us say, uh, there can be uh, a person who is participating, but uh, who is closed interiorly to the Lord and is superficial and has uh, a soul of sinful soul without repentance and so on. So, and he can be closed even in the most beautiful liturgy. And it could be, even in a mass, I would say, which is less reverent, not in an irreverent mass. So we have never to participate in a mass which, is, which contains obvious abuses and irreverences. This, why not to participate? Because this such a mass is not pleasing God. And we cannot participate in an act which is objectively not pleasing God, like a mess where the priest is committing abuses and so on, or the mess is turned like a, per, a rock concert or, and so on, never. But in a, let us say, in an average novice order, which is objectively, of course, less, um, contains lesser signs of reverence and um, and, and we have sometimes to participate with some people. We can also receive, there are many graces, when we are deeply recollected and believing that mm. the consecration happened there validly, and the Lord is there present, and the sacrifice of Golgotha is present, even in such poor circumstances as the Novus Order is, you can um, take, draw, uh, a lot of graces, it depends on you. Uh, but of course, a beautiful reverent mass with, with more signs of objective signs of reverence and uh, uh, sublimity and sacredness, of course, it helps you to be more lifted up to the Lord. So these exterior signs of a reverent liturgy, the atmosphere, it is helpful for you to be more concentrated, to lift your heart up. So I would say for um, to participate in, a, in an average style Novus Ordo, may, surely without abuses, let us say, and to be lifted up and to, it, is, it requires more, a more spiritual maturity and a deeper, experience so because there is the the right itself is not so much helping you to to be lifted up uh, like the the other objectively more rich uh, traditional right in the five minutes that we have left bishop snyder um action items for mom and dad that are listening and watching this show meaning like what do we do if we do at reparation expiation when we see these terrible things going on at mass what what can we do as lay people help 
have a more reverent mass and to participate in it. What uh, ideas would you give for mom and dad for the children? And uh, also, I want to recommend your website. Every time we have our show, I want people to know how they can hear more of material from your website. So what's the website that people can contact and get more material from your writings? Gloria Dei. Gloria Dei. Got it. And then what are the action items for mom and dad to help the children and the family go and properly worship at mass when circumstances aren't ideal? Because many of us can't drive, you know, a hundred miles or they live in places where they're just too far away to get to a, a reverent mass and they have to go to a mass that might not be, I mean, it's valid. Don't get me wrong, but how do they participate in that? And what can we do to help families in those circumstances? As I would suggest these families, uh, when they have no choice, but on average, uh, novice or the mass, at least to, to behave themselves reverently and to, to, to teach their children, to, let us say, to kneel during the Eucharistic prayer, yes. to receive Holy Communion kneeling and on the tongue, mm -hmm. and to make... Uh, if in these masses is uh, communion in hand, then to, to teach the children to make after the mass to remain and to make a prayer of reparation for the Lord for these forms of lesser reverence, or maybe they were falling down some fragments mm -hmm. and pray, praying the, the, the prayers of the angel of Fatima of the reparation prayers. Great. Bishop Stata, could you give our listeners and viewers a blessing, please? In benedictio Dei Omnipotentis, Patris, et Fili, et Spiritus Sancti, descendet super vos, et maniat semper. Amen. Oh, man. I love it. Bishop Snyder's book called The Catholic Mass. If you want to get a copy, I got a whole case of them at the Virgin Most Powerful. Call us at 877 526-215, and you can go to Sophia Press, who's the publisher of this. This won't be the last time we promote this book. We're going to continue to do it till the second coming. Jess Romero, final thoughts? Thank you, Bishop Schneider. You've done a wonderful contribution for the Catholic Church. And uh, at Virgin Most Powerful, we recommend that all our listeners get the Catholic Mass. Thank you. God love you, Bishop Schneider. And again, folks, go to Sophia Press if you want to go to a good publisher to get it. Or if you want a copy from us, we have them. Call us at 877-526-2151. May God richly bless you and your family, and happy Easter Holy Week. Thank you so much. God bless you.